Welcome to the show, my fierce and unstoppable sisters. You have just arrived at a place where we believe in the transformative power of healing the mind, body, and soul. If you're here, I know you're ready to overcome the trauma, fear, and self-doubt that has been holding you back. Because that was me not that long ago, feeling so alone and like I could never fully heal and move forward. But let me tell you this, it is possible to break free, to heal, and to thrive. But I'm also going to be real with you, it's not going to be easy. Healing is hard work and it takes courage to face the past. But you didn't come here for easy, did you? You came here for transformation. And through my own healing, I learned the key to unlocking our truest selves is by learning to love ourselves deeply and stepping into our power and intuition. So if you're ready to do the work, if you're ready to dig deep and explore the power of emotional healing, spiritual growth, and physical gains, come join me on this transformative journey that can free you in ways you never thought possible. Hello, my beautiful souls. Welcome back to the show. Today, before we get started, I just want to let you know that this episode does have some sensitive content in it. And if you are somebody who has experienced abuse or know somebody close to you that has gone through specifically a narcissistic relationship with somebody that I want to give you the choice to be able to decide whether or not you want to continue to listen to this episode as it might be triggering for some people. So I just want to preface it with that and let you know that this is a space where we can hold those conversations. And the other day, if you are inside of our Facebook group, you may have seen the post about the Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day. And that's a day that holds a lot of value to me because I feel that it's very important for us to continue to have these conversations and spread awareness about the sixth cycle of abuse and specifically for me, narcissistic abuse. And while I hate, I have goosebumps right now because I, I absolutely hate that it's a thing and that we have to have these conversations. And it is very sensitive and a lot of times when you talk about something like that you know you can't help but go back and relive some of those moments and think about what happened to you or the person that you care about and so while healing is part of the journey and you do get to a point where you can be comfortable and you can find self-worth it it still doesn't make it easier and it's still a part of your story and oftentimes it's a big part of who you become because of that abusive cycle. And so I want to honor that. And it's also a big reason why I started the Facebook community is because I know when you are in that situation, a lot of times the people in your life aren't the people that you can go to, even though they might love and support you. There's a lot of judgment there. There's a lot of fear. Um, There's just a lot of things. And so I, I would have loved to have a space where I could go and have conversations with women who understood me and didn't judge me and that could potentially help me because that's how we learn and grow is from other women who have gone through similar and we could reach out to and feel connected with. And so while our Facebook group isn't all about those things, of course, we we have enlightening conversations and it, it is all about health and healing in general, but um, it is a space where you are welcome and we would love to have you inside of there and, and hear your voice and allow you to be able to share your voice and whatever it is that you're going through because there's power in that. So. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit before we dive into today's episode. And I really want to give you a blueprint if you have gone through abuse or you are in an abusive relationship and kind of how to lay that out or to help another woman who is going through it. And I don't advocate for breaking up relationships. This, This is not what this is about. I do believe in family and committed relationships, and I feel that it is very important, and I value that so, so much. But... 
I also know that it's never okay for somebody to be in that situation. And I know how scary and unsettling it can be, especially if you have kids. And so while I don't advocate for ever leaving a relationship just because, but I do advocate for getting out of the situation if that's what you want. And I know that for a lot of women, it is what they want. It's just that they don't know how and they don't know what the other side of that looks like. They might be afraid for their life. Um, They might receive threats and things that make them feel insecure to even think about stepping out of that relationship. And so it is very scary and sometimes feels like it's absolutely impossible to get out and to get out safe. So I want to touch on just an overview of the behaviors and the things to look out for. And maybe you're in a relationship and it's not healthy, but you don't really know if it's a narcissistic relationship or not. And so I want to just share the common things that you might see from somebody that's a narcissist. And one of them is that narcissists, they have this exaggerated sense of self, which we call grandiosity, where they believe that they're superior to other people. And so they always need validation. They always need to hear that they're good enough, that you know you admire them, that you appreciate them, and oftentimes, you know, if you don't go out of your way to make them feel like that, they come down on you. And why don't you appreciate me? And you know, they want you to pretty much like grovel at their feet because they feel so superior. And it can be really unsettling for the other person in the relationship because when it's not an authentic and genuine admiration or validation and it feels forced, it can leave you feeling on edge a lot because you just don't know how to respond and you don't want to respond in the wrong way. You might notice that the person that you're with has a lack of empathy because narcissists, they struggle to understand and empathize with the feelings of others because they hold themselves at such high value that there really is no worth for other people. And they are really self-centered. They have a really hard time expressing emotion and they pretty much disregard the emotions of the other people around them, especially those that they're in a relationship with. And I'll give you an example is when I was in this relationship, things would get heated. We get in an argument and that is that is a, an emotion for sure is anger that you will see come out and uh, is usually pointing the finger at the other person. But when we would be in this argument, I would start getting emotional. And toward the end, especially, I would get very emotional because I was just at my wit's end. I was so fed up and I was tired. I was so tired of that cycle. So then when it would get to that point, I would be so frustrated because I didn't want it to be to that point. And there was nothing that I could say really or to do to get him to de-escalate the situation. And we just had to get through it. And unfortunately, when I would get emotional or cry or just ask him to stop, you know, I wasn't even rude. I wasn't screaming at him or anything. I was just like, I was, I was broken. Just please stop. And he would laugh at me because he was disregarding my emotions. He didn't care how he was making me feel, even though he saw me in tears, just pleading to please stop. That's the lack of empathy. Another trait that you might recognize is the manipulation and the exploitation. And narcissists are very skilled manipulators and they use others for their own gain. And while I said that they don't really use emotion, they're really good at pretending to express emotion in a manipulative, gaslighting way. Like when I would be serious about leaving or I would have conversations with him, like if if this doesn't change, I am leaving. I need to get out. This is not okay. So anytime that I expressed something that he was going to lose, 
He was going to lose out on something. And it wasn't for his own gain. He would then break down. He would get so emotional and so upset and make me feel guilty because I have empathy. And he would know that. And so playing those mind games just so that he can maintain the control and the power because he knew that if he got me to be emotional and respond because I did care about him, you know, and I didn't want it to be that way. And I was hoping that there was something that could change. And so in order to get me to stay and to continue that cycle, he would play those mind games with me and make me question like, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Is there something that I could do better? You know, you really do. I feel like this is a huge reason why so many women in these relationships have such a low self-worth is because you're constantly on edge and you're constantly questioning whether or not you're okay. You're doing the right things. Are you good enough? You don't need somebody to tell you those things. You, You tell yourself that multiple, multiple times. And of course, in a traditional narcissistic relationship, you get told those things a lot too. So it just doesn't help to build your self-confidence at all. Um, again, like the sense of entitlement, they feel like they're entitled to special treatments and you know that they may expect others to meet their needs and fulfill their desires without considering anybody else or boundaries. So setting healthy boundaries with somebody like that is very difficult because they feel like their needs need to be met before anybody else. And so when you have kids th- with this person, sometimes that can be challenging because it's almost as if they're a kid themselves and they would rather you take care of them before you took care of the needs of like your kids, your your parents, anybody else, they come first. A very selfish way. And they constantly need that validation and attention because they crave it. And they crave it so much that they actually may engage in attention-seeking behaviors to maintain their ego. And the example that I could give with this is that, you know, if he ever felt threatened, if you ever felt threatened that I was going to leave or that, you know, there was going to be somebody as a threat in our relationship, or maybe I was giving my friends or my family too much attention and he felt like he needed attention, he would do things to just inflate himself and to get that attention. So he would make a scene. Um, He might puff up his chest. You know, he used to get road rage really bad to prove himself, you know, that he was the bigger, badder dog. Um, Just behaviors like that to just inflate his self-image. It was awful. So, so awful. Gosh, as I go through this, it's just like, I really, really wish that this wasn't a thing. (laughs) I really wish that no woman had to go through it because it sucks. And like I said, it just puts you back into that memory of what it used to be. And I'm so glad and thankful that I got out, but it just... I can't help sometimes but to beat myself up for staying as long as I did. And that's and that's something I want to point out too is that while I have had tremendous growth and it's been over a decade now since I was able to get out of this relationship, there's still a part of me that will be healing from this. You know, those memories are still very vivid and while I don't allow that to affect me, it is a part of my story. But one thing that I really hope that you can get from this episode or you know, from your support group or anywhere else, is that this isn't about you. The behaviors, the manipulation, the things that are being said and told to you are not about you. It's about the other person. And honestly, I would love to say that there is a way to be able to change that because I know when you care about that person, you really do hope and wish that there's something that could be done to change that. But I really don't believe that there is a way for somebody that's like that, that isn't willing to be aware of this type of behavior. And 
wanting to change it because really they're the only ones that are going to be able to do that. And a lot of the times they aren't even aware of it. And if they are, they have no desire to change it. So for you, it's not your job to change that person. And there's nothing that you can do to make them see that. They have to see it on their own. And that's hard when you care about the person. But more importantly, recognizing that it's not about you and that you have to build your self-worth back up. And that's one of the hardest things because naturally as women, we beat ourselves up enough, let alone being in a relationship with somebody that just validates our own insecurities, makes it really, really hard for us to even think that we have a chance to get out or to find somebody that is worthy of loving us because we have been belittled and beat down for so long that we honestly believe that we are the scum of the earth that this person is making us feel like and the person that we look in the mirror and question all the things that we're doing. So if anything, please understand that you can rebuild yourself and that you are deserving and this has nothing to do with the person that you are. And I can only hope that one day, if not today, that one day you can look in the mirror and have that moment like I did where you wake up and it just clicks for you. And even though you may not have all the answers and all the pieces are still trying to find their way to each other to figure it out, it starts to become a little easier when you recognize that, hey, I actually do deserve something different and this is not okay. I think for me, I kept telling myself it was going to change and that he did love me and that I should stay because I did have a child with him and I did care about him, you know? And then I finally just got to that point where it, it was like, no, no, none of this is okay. In that moment, I had had thoughts of leaving. You know, I had kind of had these hypothetical scenarios play out in my head, but I never really was serious until that moment. And in that moment is when I started to make a plan. And I wanted to talk to you about that today in making a plan. And unfortunately, unless you can get out and get out quick, it takes a little bit longer than you would hope because especially if there's finances and kids and things, it it takes a while to get that all set up. But there are a few things that I did and that you can do to start that process and be comfortable and confident in knowing that there is an end and there is an out and and that you most certainly don't have to go through this alone. And there are other women out there, unfortunately, that have navigated and can help you get through this. So first things first, if you are considering getting out or you know somebody that you want to help get out, again, it starts with that wake up moment of realizing that This person isn't going to become aware of what the things are that they're doing to you. And if they are, they're they're not going to care enough to change. And you have to start looking within yourself and reframing the things that you have been told and validating all of the self-worth that you have long forgotten about because you've had to bury it, because you've had to put up a wall, because you've been fighting, but it's there. And start digging into that. Start remembering the woman that you were. If you can find one little piece of light in your life right now, hang on to that because that's so important and that's going to help you get out. That's going to be the thing that you cling to that's going to pull you out of that because that's what I did. Soon as I saw a little bit of light, I grabbed onto that and I haven't let go of it since because that for me was the hope. That was it. That was all I needed. And for me, that was my daughter. 
and I was also going to school. And so I knew I had some sort of future, even though I wasn't financially stable at that point. I knew that at some point I would be, I would be okay. And I knew that I believed that. And so I'm asking you right now, as hard as it might be, the only thing that you need is the belief, the belief that you can. And once you have that, the rest of it will come. But it does take time in most of these situations just because there are so many layers to it. And so the number one thing for me, I believe, is the most important is to establish a support network. So if you don't have people in your immediate circle, reach out to anybody that you can trust, whether that's a coworker, maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, maybe it's an online space, a group, maybe it's somebody that you follow that has gone through something like this that you can connect with and ask them questions and trust them. You know, hey, you know somebody right here listening to this podcast that I am always available to you. And maybe I'm not the right person for you, and that's okay too. But the point is, is that you find somebody or a group that you can establish a safe relationship with, that you can share your situation and trust that they can help you develop this plan so that you can use them as an emergency contact or you can communicate them when you need to. If you don't have anybody, I would suggest that you research local resources, helplines, shelters, counseling services, and things like that that can offer the guidance and support that you need. Sometimes it's good to have a couple different resources in your back pocket. So whether it's like a 1-800 helpline that you have or you know somebody, you need to have a couple of people at least that know what's going on so that they can be there to support you as you go through this. The second thing is to create a safety plan because safety is the most important thing. And Getting out is scary sometimes, and you just don't know what somebody's capable of in this situation. And there has been situations where women have been in imminent danger, and we don't want that. We don't want that for you at all. And I understand that is what holds a lot of women back is because of the fear of what could happen if they were to leave. And I don't even like to think about it. So the other thing that you need to do is identify a safe place that you could go in case of an emergency when you're in immediate danger somebody that is a trusted friend or family member you could go to or a shelter always have a bag packed with your essential items with your id your financial documents any medications and personal belongings that it's ready to go in that instance that you just need to grab and go and do your best to memorize some emergency contact numbers and keep a phone or spare change to make calls just so that you have a backup plan. If, you know, for me, when I was in this relationship, there are times where he's broken multiple phones of mine or he would withhold my phone from me. And that's very scary and it's very, um, you feel so helpless when you're in that situation because our phone is our lifeline. Everything is in there. And when that is taken away, you really don't have any resources. Most people don't have home phones anymore. So make sure that you have some sort of backup plan or you have a you know, neighbor's house that you can run to and use their phone. And at least you would have those numbers memorized so that you could contact somebody. The third thing would be to secure your finances and start saving money. Some people have opened up their own bank account. Some people have stashed cash in a spot where their abuser wouldn't notice. Um, and then gather and make copies of important documents. So your tax returns, any property or um, things of value that you have, any titles to vehicles, bank statements, things like that that you might need because these are things that you really don't think about when you're going through this situation because when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have grabbed that because you're in such fight or flight 
that you're not thinking of those long-term things that you're going to need later on down the road. And, you know, if you're married, then you have to deal with the legal aspect of that. Um, but things like property and, and vehicles, if you don't have the title and it's in both of your names or, you know, you just, you can get yourself in sticky situations simply because you don't have the proper documentation to support that it's half yours or it was yours at all. And they will hold that over your head. If that vehicle is in their name, or, you know, even if you paid for it, any sort of receipts or anything that you could have to prove that they can't use that against you, you want to make sure that you have that. And speaking of documentation, this is really important. And I did this for years after I got out even, is that I kept a record of any incidences of abuse. I kept any records of, because we didn't have a a formal custody agreement. So I kept track of when he had her, if he picked her up when he said, if there were any incidences that happened while she was under his care, I kept a very detailed record of any threats. I saved all my text messages. Anytime that the threat to me was valid enough, not that, I mean, I guess that's your own judgment call, but I would at least track and record every single threat. But if I felt like there was a question in that threat, whether or not it was going to be legit, or he would show up unannounced, or he would drive through my lawn, I would call and just make a police report so that it was on record so that anytime and if something bigger had happened at any point, I would have this track record of saying, these are all the things, you know, this isn't the first time. And just so that you cover your own ass and that you have all the dates, the times, the descriptions, take photos if you can. If you have any physical injuries, take photos of those. Um, any property damage, you know, if he does break a phone or punch a hole in the wall or anything like that, take pictures, save any emails, voicemails, text messages, anything like that that could help support you when you need legal protection. So a lot of women will end up filing a personal protective order against this person for good reason. And those things are just good supporting evidence to give you the ability to have that. And then last but not least, seek professional guidance. So especially if there's going to be legal implications later on down the road for custody or property or you know divorce, anything like that, start thinking about having a lawyer. If you know anybody, it's not like you have to hire them right away, but just know what your legal options are. That way you're protected. You know, we talked about having a restraining order and things like that. So just know, have have some sort of plan that when you do get out, that you can implement these things sooner than later. And of course, it's always helpful to have a therapist, a counselor, maybe a domestic violence advocate who can provide you even more guidance and help you navigate all the complexities that come with leaving an abusive relationship. You know, people that have gone through this and have navigated this system that have helped other women get through very similar, they are the experts in that space who are the ones that can support you and get you connected to the resources that are available near you. So I would definitely do that. And then you could also develop your safety plan with this professional. Um, And it could be very specific. They can make it so that is tailored specific to your situation. Say you live in an apartment and you live on the third floor. There's no escaping that without the main door going down the stairs, right? Just the details like that, that often get overlooked. And it's not your fault because these are not things that you think about when your brain is in that fight or flight mode. And it is completely normal to overlook all those things. I... I didn't have all of these things in place when I left, some of them, and but I had a plan when I left. I kind of knew at least 
for the monetary that I knew what I was going to be doing. And I was going to just figure out the rest as I went. And so I honestly didn't have a day that I was going to leave. I didn't even really know I'd have anything packed. Um, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was scary to me because even though I had somewhat of a plan, you really never know how it's going to unfold until it's done. And one day he was at work and I packed up my car and I took about four car loads over to my parents because I had to stay with them because I, like I said, I wasn't done with school yet. So I was working part-time and didn't have money to live on my own and also felt like I didn't want to necessarily live on my own yet anyways, because I, I feel like I wouldn't have been as safe if I was alone just with my daughter. And I, especially when I did finally move out of my parents, didn't let him know where I lived. And so, yeah, he knew where my parents were, but they were there. They were back up. They knew the situation so that we were all prepared for the worst case scenario and that we could do what we needed to do to make sure that we were all safe. But even when I did leave, I made sure he didn't know where I lived. I would meet him in a public place when we would uh, drop our daughter off and things like that. So I just, these are things that you can take down the road even, even after you leave to make sure that you're safe. But back to my point about, you know, overlooking things, I packed up my car and I left. And it wasn't until the shock factor and I felt more comfortable in my situation that I looked back and was like, oh man, I should have packed that. You know, why did I leave that behind? Well, that sucks. He doesn't deserve to have that. You know, just going through all the things that I really didn't need, but um, looking back, wish that I would have, but it's it's fine. Like that, those are the things that don't matter. You know, the important thing is, is that I was able to get out and I had my personal things. I had the sentimental things and that my daughter and I were safe and we were out and we were out. And that is the the moment for me that felt most freeing. It was this weight that I had been dragging around for so long that was finally lifted. And it felt so freeing. And all I did was cry. Not because I was sad. And to me, that was sad. I was sad that I wasn't sad. (laughs) Because I think I had mourned so much while I was in the relationship. And I was so broken that I wasn't sad that I was getting out. I was elated that I was finally at this point where I had finally gotten brave enough. And even though I didn't know what my future was going to hold, even though I was still scared because I just didn't know what he was capable of, even though I had things in place to protect me, it's still very unnerving. But all that aside, it was what I needed and it was what I wanted for such a long time that I just was happy crying, sobbing because I never thought that I would see this day. And that is what I want you to get out of this episode. That is why I'm here. That is why I am always available to you. I don't ever turn anybody away that messages me that is asking for help and guidance, especially when it comes to something so serious like this and something that uh, I had gone through personally that I know what it feels like. Because I want you to come to that moment where you can feel that weight fly off of you. Because you deserve that. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm going to gather myself up and <laughs> really hope to see you over in our Facebook group. And really hope that this inspired you or somebody to take that next step, as scary as it is. And know that you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. And if anything else, I'm here for you. I support you. 
I love you and I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to want to take care of yourself. And if you are in the stage of your healing journey where you've been out for a little while and you still need that support because it's hard and unfortunately our kids are also along the ride with us and we're not the only ones that go through the abuse. They're in it too and it can be really hard to parent these kids after they've witnessed things like that and to make them feel safe and to ensure that they don't get themselves into a situation like that and to help them learn about self-worth and the importance of staying safe and advocating for yourself and all of the aftermath from an abusive relationship is something that isn't talked about either. And that's a whole nother episode. But if you're in that stage in your journey, I want you to know that I'm here and I support you as well because we're all on this journey together and just because we're in different places in this journey, but we all get it. We understand. And we might be so different in other areas, but we have this that connects us. And as fortunate as it is, it's something that made us. Because you can't come out of that. You can't be in that and not have the similar characteristics, concerns, and stories that we all share. And so we need to form this alliance together in having conversations, spreading the awareness, and just making sure that no woman has to go through this alone and that every woman gets out and gets out safe. Thank you so much for just being here with me today. I really appreciate you more than you know. I would like to end this on a happy note. So with that, if you haven't left a review or shared the podcast with somebody, please do that. It just helps this podcast grow. It helps us reach even more women that might need this support and guidance too. So if you could just go to Apple Podcasts, you scroll all the way down, and you'll see where you can leave a review. And then, of course, like I said, if you would share it, it would mean the world to me. I appreciate you so, so much, and I'll see you back here soon.